Hello and welcome to livealittlehigher.com. This week we read Parasha Mishpatim and Parasha Mishpatim talks about the civil laws between men and men and it's interesting to note that it's the parasha that continues the parasha of Yitro where the Torah was given to us at Mount Sinai and right after Hashem gives us the Torah which is so lofty he comes and he comes and he lowers us down to the world and he makes us see like hello you you live amongst yourselves there has to be a, a, a civility amongst you there has to be human laws that uh, protect people and that uh, and to teach you what is the right way to proceed with someone in your life depending the situation so the commandments of the Torah are commonly uh, divided into two sections, into two categories. We have laws that govern our relationship with Hashem, with God, and, and those that legislate the, the proper conduct between men and men. So we see that the commandments are divided into two tablets. The first five commandments are our relationship with God. The, the, next, six, uh, the next five commandments from six to 10 are between us and our fellow men. The interesting thing is that they're parallel one to the other. Like if you see, I, I am God, your God, and then um, is parallel to number six, which is you shall not kill. So why is it parallel? How is the connection between my relationship with God, believing in one God, that this is the only one, and not killing? Is because a person, when he kills someone else, it's like he's killing God. It's like saying, I don't believe there's one God. But like a person who is really Yira Shamaim, who has fear of heaven, would never go and kill someone else unless he, he's, he's not riding his head. But he would have enough uh, fear not to go and kill someone else. So we see here that these two categories are deeply interrelated. The Zohar states that the divine instruction, I am God, your God, you shall have no other gods before me, is the essence of the 613 mitzvot. And the, 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 and the prohibitions of the Torah. And on the other hand, the Talmud tells us the famous story of the great sage, uh, Rabbi Hillel, in which a man came to him because he wanted to convert. And he said to him, the, the man came, he says, I want to convert. If, if, if you can teach me the whole Torah while I'm standing on one foot, I will convert to Judaism. And Rabbi Hillel said to him, uh, he said to him, what is hateful to you, uh, do not do to your fellow. And the rest is all commentary. So ultimately, there is no essential difference between the Torah, civil laws, and its so-called religious laws, like we would think religious laws. A crime against a man is a crime against Hashem. And a crime against God is a crime against a person. So all his creations. And, and a kindness to a fellow human being is a kindness to God. And a kindness to, a, to, to God comes to become a kindness to, to your fellow uh, people, to your fellow to your fellow. So this is what creates a harmonious um, world where people live in harmony in, with respect one towards the others, with dignity, with tolerance. Uh, when you see people killing in the name of God, in reality, 
there's no relationship with Hashem because if they really had a relationship with God they would not go and kill anybody you know that's not their job their job is to 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 live life and go and be the best person you can be you're not the judge of the world Hashem didn't put you here to judge the rest of humanity so Hasidic teachings takes this a step further and it shows us the deeper significance of a mitzvah which extends beyond its basic classifications as between man and God and God and man and man and man to the category to, to, to the other category as well because a mitzvah whose most immediate application is of ritualistic nature is also an instruction in how to behave towards your fellow man and a mitzvah whose literal meaning places it squarely within the Torah civil code also addresses the internal world of the human soul so all these laws all these civil laws what what uh, what the Rebbe is teaching us here is that you think that you're being kind to a person but in reality you're not only being kind to Hashem you're you're being kind to yourself you're being kind to your neshama so there's many of the Torah civil laws are enumerated in the section of Mishpatim of this uh, Torah portion and uh, and Rashi says that just as the previous ones are from Sinai these two are from Sinai that in Torah everything is a, is a law everything is a mitzvah and the way we behave with others is as important as we behave with Hashem so the Talmud which analyzes the biblical verses and deduces the last encoded in, within them devotes its largest tractate uh, which is called Nesikin to the civil uh, laws of Mishpatim and because of this the size of this uh, tractate Nesikim this tractate is subdivided in three sections which are famously known as the Baba Kama the first gate the Baba Metzia the middle gate and the Baba Batra which is the final gate each of these three gates deals with different categories of, of civil laws and the, all of them describe uh, the progress within humanity uh, how they start as being very barbaric and at the end it becomes like a more humane sustainable world of peace and love and um, and we see that the same is in the spiritual dimension of, of these legal tractates, these gates, which represent the different stages in our inner development as, as human beings, uh, when our soul matures in this world and it grows and it becomes more connected to its potential and its purpose of life. So we see here that the first gate, the Baba Kama, begins, begins saying there are four primary classes of damages there's the ox the pit the man and the fire and the what it's meaning is that the ox represents um, damages inflicted by one's personal property so for example if you have a pit bull and you're walking down the street or you go to the park and this pit bull goes and mauls someone in the park it, this is where it comes it, it, it's your responsibility and the, here in the Torah, in this parasha, it says that if an ox gores another ox of, an, of, a, of another person, uh, the person has to pay the other person for, for the damage 
that he inflicted in that person like that ox used to work for that person used to make him earn money he lost not only the ox but he learned his he also lost the money he would have gained from it then they make a special thing and that person's ox that killed the other ox has to pay retribution so we see that the second <clears throat> which is called the pit it alludes to damages caused by hazard placed in the public domain so for example if you're in the middle of the street and you dig a hole uh, in the middle of the street it's not your domain but you're putting people in danger or if you're eating a banana and you throw the peel in the street you're putting people in danger then the third one would be man and this is um, damages inflicted directly by the person himself so for example if you're in a in a place and you get into a fight with somebody and you punch them in the in the eye and he, the person loses the eye you have a responsibility there you you created a, a damage to someone not like today in new york that there's no bail for for people who do these things they go into into the court and they have to let them go unless they kill you they don't go to jail so this is not the civil laws of the torah this is completely goes against because people are not um, are accountable for their actions and what the torah is telling us is that everything you do has a price you are accountable for what you do so the fourth one would be fire and fire alludes to failure to prevent damages arising from the potentially dangerous actions for example if i start a fire in my backyard because i'm 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 doing a bonfire to to roast marshmallows and do s'mores with my grandchildren and suddenly this fire gets out of control and it burns the whole neighborhood then god forbid then i am accountable for that it's my my responsibility so in addition to defining the four categories of damages and the numerous subcategories and particular laws they each contain baba kama also legislates the reparations and penalties for theft and robbery robbery in the in the in other words the first gate the babakama of torah civil law deals primarily with criminal violent attacks of, of a person's property or on a person and it addresses the most crass form of disharmony amongst men so this is like the worst of the worst then we see that we have the laws discussed in the second gate which is the middle gate baba metzia and these are laws which are not so strict like what would happen with the baba baba camera these ones are pertaining to the return uh, the return of lost objects disputes arising out of loans sales and employment and the responsibilities of the four guardians which four guardians are uh, people that are taking care of other people's property for example you have uh, your neighbor you're going on a vacation and you ask your neighbor to please take a look at your apartment like if you can go every every week and take a look and see that everything is good and water the plants and whatever so he's not being paid his responsibility is less than if i hire someone to come and look after my apartment i am paying him uh, for this so if god forbid i come to my apartment and there's there, there's there was a flood and nobody stopped it and there was then he has a bigger responsibility than my neighbor so we have these four guardians are the the, the people 
that are unpaid baileys you have the borrower and you have the renter and uh, the paid and unpaid baileys and for the objects entrusted into their care so these laws pertain to the baba metzia to the middle gate and like the first baba the middle gate also deals with disputes between people but these are for the most part more benign conflicts so it's honest disagreements rather than malicious uh, and blandly irresponsible behavior so it's like their normal thing like like if a person for example uh, rented a, a, a car and the car he got into a traffic accident and he never bought the insurance for it and he has no insurance so he's responsible for it so it's all these laws of civil um, civil nature that are not criminal in in case so then so we see here that now we go the onto the onto the final gate which is the Baba Batra, which includes an entirely different gender of civil law. And this one comes to settle disputes, but to lay the groundwork for social, just, and harmonious existence between man and his fellow. And this tractate discusses the laws outlining property rights, neighbor relations and responsibilities, partnerships, commerce, inheritance, and charity. So for example, in this one, the first scenario that the Baba Batra puts is the partners in a courtyard who wish to divide should build a wall in the middle. Like if I have, you live in a place where you have all the houses one next to the other, but then my neighbor and I decide we wanna put a wall in between our homes, then we have to build this wall together. The wall, we own the wall together. It's half mine, half, half his. So, so that's more or less the, the, the idea of what this tractate is. It, it comes to show that everything should be beneficial to both sides. And it's, it's about mutual desire to live as neighbors who respect each other's rights and to set boundaries so they can be good neighbors. So <clears throat> on the cosmic historical level, the three gates of Nesikin, the, the, the three phases in the social de development of man uh, are like a barometer uh, of Torah law's progressive influence into society. So we go back to the first gate where it says we encounter human society in a base and barbaric state. So we see that the first gate, it talks about people who are really, you, you see, it's like they're almost like animals. They have no no sense of taking care of another person's uh, possessions like they're only thinking about themselves and they and so the the, the first gate is, a, is an institution whose function is to deal with criminal and violent behavior among its members the second gate we see that people progress from criminal to non-malicious conflict. And the final gate describes a strife-free society in which everybody's cooperating and everybody wants the best for the other person as well as the best for themselves. So the three babot tell the, the story of history itself. It's a story of mankind's progress towards the perfect and harmonious world of Mashiach. And as a humanity learns to disarm and unite, so this is the, the idea of, of, of this way, of these laws of human and civil ethical behavior. 
and the and when the final gate of the Torah civil law will forever abolish every conflict that there's gonna be in the world when Mashiach comes we're not gonna need the first two we're gonna live in the in the third one so as discussed above the social mitzvot of the Torah have their counterparts in the life of the soul also internally we have these we deal with this in our neshamas does the three gates of progress from barbarism to harmonious coexistence on the social level also describe these corresponding stages in our spiritual development and our quest for for um, for a connection to Hashem so in the first gate that we we said it, it we contend with the negative forces that actively undermine our spiritual integrity so I've talked a, a lot about uh, that we have two neshamas, we have a godly soul and we have an animal soul. So the, the godly soul is selfless, it it's, it's just wants to be with Hashem. Kosher, yes, I want to eat kosher. Go to shul, yes, I want to go. You want to pray, yes. Everything that God asks us, this, this soul, this force within us, really, the only thing He wants is God. But then Hashem put inside of us, it's not our fault, He put inside of us an animal soul. It's an animalistic entity that resides inside of us. And this animalistic instinct is the one that makes us hungry, makes us greedy, makes us angry. This, is, this in, instinctive uh, behavior comes from this neshama. So we see here that uh, the, the four primary classes of damages that we see in the first gate which is the ox, the, the, the fire, the pit and the... Um, I don't remember what was the other one I, I have it here, sorry the ox, the fire, the pit and the man, man itself we see these, 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 these are harmful and they're part of our animalistic nature they're there there's nothing you can do you're born with them but in reality there's ways to deal with this part of ourselves. when we know that being angry and screaming at people you know if you're a three-year-old you're not intellectually developed yet so you scream and you in the middle of the supermarket you don't care you don't care but if you're a grown-up and you're mature intellectually and emotionally and you're angry, you're, and you're a healthy human being, you're gonna go into the supermarket and you're gonna contain yourself. You're not gonna start screaming at people. You're gonna be able to master your, 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 yourself. So the, 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 the gate, the first gate, is talking about this part of us that, yes, maybe there's people who are 80 years old and they never matured it. They're still like that. They, they, they scream when they're angry. They, they, they hit the wife when they're angry, you know? And, and this is what it's telling us, that this first gate, really what it's telling us is that we do have these vices, these, these, these harmful vices that they're distinct to human beings and they're destructive, but nevertheless, there's laws. There's laws to contain ourselves. And this is what it's teaching us. Like your neshama, you cannot go and do whatever you want. You have to learn to be a master of yourself. So the middle gate describes a stage in our spiritual development at which these overtly destructive forces have become, have become overcome. So, and our internal conflicts are a more subtle and civilized nature. So this is when you see people who are civilized, when they know how to, to control themselves. And the spiritual Baba Metzia, which is the middle gate, with issues such as finding lost objects and the responsibilities and privileges of the four guardians. So you see, 
if you find a lost object in the street, you find a wallet and you are able to return that wallet because you see in the driver's license where the person lives and you're able to find that person and call them and return the, the wallet. This is part of being a civilized human being. And the Talmud defines a fool, a shoteh, which is a legal term referring to someone who lacks the intelligence and understanding to be held responsible for his actions as one who loses everything that is given to him. So the Hebrew word for everything that, it's called ma. Also, it translates as all the what, what ma. So it's a Kabbalistic term for the soul's capacity for receptiveness and self-abnegation. On the spiritual level, a fool is a person who loses all the ma that has been given to him. A person whose self-absorption prevents him from being receptive to all that is greater and loftier than his present comprehensions and experience. So in reality, Hashem gives us an, an intelligence. He gives us a seichel. Everybody has it. And we're, when we live with the intelligence in the, in, the, in the right way, then the ma, the what, we know what to do with it. But a fool is a person that has this intelligence but doesn't know what to do with it. And he, he, he just lives in a wrong way. So this is the, the between man and God uh, significance of the laws that deal with the recovery, recovery of lost objects. Even after we have cleansed our souls of the blatantly destructive traits enumerated in the first gate, we must labor to recover our lost ma and resolve the internal dissonance that occurs when our ego obstructs our spiritual development. So I've said this story before, but I think it's an important story. I heard many years ago from Shimona Tsukernik, a lady who served in the army, in the Israeli armed forces, and I'm talking to you like 30 years ago, after the, the, her service, she decided to go to India. Like many Israeli soldiers, she went to India, but she got stuck there in a place, in an ashram, with different philosophies, and she, I guess she had a lot of existential questions, and she was angry about something, and she ended up in India, and she didn't want to come back to Israel, and she didn't want to live like a Jew. The parents didn't know what to do with her. And uh, to make the long, the long story short, her grandmother got sick, she went back to Israel to say goodbye to her grandmother, and the, mother, the grandmother passed away the day she was leaving back to India. The father took her for a walk and she, they went into a synagogue and the rabbi was talking that day about the mitzvah of returning lost objects. That it's, it's a commandment of the Torah. It's like you cannot keep something that is not yours. If you have the ability to return it, it's an obligation. And she got very upset and she started screaming in the middle of the shiur, you see, that's why I don't believe in Judaism, because Judaism is a, is a like old-fashioned religion, it has to tell you everything, it, 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 tells, it has to even tell you that you have to return an, a lost object, that's obvious. In, in India, you don't need to be told what to do, you just know what to do. And she was very upset and she went back to India when she got back to India. She was going to be initiated to be a priestess or a guru or something like that. And the ceremony was on top of a mountain and the, the leader took them up the mountain. And when they were going up, it seems that there were some tourists around and someone dropped a wallet. And she saw the guru, the one that the priest that was going to initiate them, she saw, how strange, I want to see what he's going to do. And she sees that he bends, he picks up the, 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 the wallet and he puts it back in his pocket.
pocket like nothing and they walked up and uh and when they got up and he was gonna make them do their promises their vows whatever when he got to her she said before i make my vows i have a question i'm wondering i saw that you found a lost wallet and i saw that you put it in your pocket and i'm wondering what are you gonna do with it and he said me it's mine the forces of the universe gave it to me it's my wallet it came in front of me it's for me to keep it's mine and she looked at him and she says you know what i i repent i don't want to i don't want to commit to to this i i have to go back home I, I i just realized i'm a lost object and i have to return the lost object so this story it hit me very hard the day i heard it it really got into my head but what it's really telling you is that yes maybe we read all these laws and we think like we have to be told everything we have to be told that if our pit bull bites someone this is what we have to do like there's some things that are obvious it's civility any civil society would come with these laws but in reality these laws are given to us by Hashem they're true today, they were true yesterday, they will be true tomorrow. They don't change because it's the truth. And the other thing that we learn from is, is that we do have an animalistic instinct inside of us. We are animalistic. Uh, we are godly beings, but we have an animalistic part of us. And human, human nature is complicated. Sometimes we justify the evils in the world to accommodate to whatever we think it's, it's the right thing. It's unbelievable how people just justify everything uh, to accommodate a certain fad or a, a, a trend into society. And, they, and it's, it, the mind can do that. So this story, what it teaches us is that, no, like this girl said, in India, we know what to do. No, we don't know what to do. We don't know, even the highest spiritual guy didn't know what to do. So this is what this, this uh, Baba Metzia is telling us, that we do need to be told what to do. And so our sages tell us that in the manner in which man measures himself, so is meted out to him. In other words, God leaves it us, it us, it, God leaves it to us to define our vision of life and our relationship with him. And then relates to us accordingly. It's up to us. This is free choice. He doesn't put a, a gun in our head and tells us you have to keep these laws. No, this is free choice. This is when we choose to be righteous individuals, when we decide to be good people and um, kind people and live in a civilized way. So there are three general ways in which a person may perceive the labor of his life. He can see himself as a slave. He can see himself as an employee or he can see himself like a partner. And one might see himself as a slave of an autocratic master. You can think, uh, I didn't ask to be born. I didn't ask God to put me in this world, in this crazy world where there's so much pain. I don't understand. And uh, all this is imposed on me. This, all these laws, all these rules, I have to live by this. And um, the Talmud says, Against your will, you're born, and against your will, you'll die. And my master is all-powerful, so I had best carry out his commandments. So, or one might adopt a more involved attitude 
of being like an employee when we see that we're in this world we have a purpose we have a mission Hashem put us here to do a job and we're empowered by it and we come and we do and but we know at the end of our life we're gonna be rewarded for all this so there's a payment we, we know at the end it's not that we're doing it for that but we know at the end there's gonna be a payment and that gives us an incentive to even be better employees and has a so a vision of life as a job is expressed by the Talmudic sage Rabbi Tarfon in the second chapter of ethics of the fathers where he says the day is short the work is much the workers are lazy and the reward is great and the master is pressing it is not incumbent upon you to finish the task it's not our job to finish the task but neither are you free to absolve yourself from it so if you if you have learned much torah you will be greatly rewarded this is what it is it says if you learn torah you'll be rewarded if you do mitzvot you'll you'll be rewarded hashem doesn't has have a, us here for free he he's gonna pay for whatever we do so finally the other one which is a much higher level of relationship with Hashem is the relationship of, of partnership with him so one is the slave you know we're here we know we're here for a purpose we know Hashem runs the world and there's no doubt about it and, and we just do because God runs the world and we're just here because we're here and then you have the one in which you're empowered you have a purpose you have a mission and you have a reward and then you have this one in which you are a partner with God you see yourself like his partner and 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 true we are slaves in the self in the sense that we acknowledge that God is the absolute master and true we are also employees in the sense that we have defined our life's assignments and has and we know that we're promised rewards but we have been granted the ability to elevate this toil in life to elevate the way we live and we can see ourselves as partners with God and then in reality it says that our sages Hazal teach us that a judge who judges a case with complete truthfulness becomes a partner with God in creation and one who prays on the eve of Shabbat and recites by Yehulu becomes a partner with God in creation when Hashem created the world he said let us make man in my image he didn't say let me make man what does it mean let us make man what it meant was let's be partnered in this world make yourself it's part of your experience in the world is to make yourself to reveal yourself to come into this world a world that is not perfect that is not finished it's unfinished our job is to finish it our job is to perfect it it's to be a partner in the creation of Hashem so the spiritual version of the final gate describes this venture the venture of partnership as in a joint enterprise and there is a need for walls that delineate the terms of partnership you know for any relationship to be a healthy relationship you need boundaries you need boundaries you need to have walls that give space to each person to be who they need to be and and this these walls are of several types you can have walls with uncut stones or you can have walls that are brick walls but in reality these walls are there they're part of, of God and they're part of us they're, we're partners between them because we are uh, living in a humane civil society where we are really caring for each other so we see that although these walls divide in, real, in reality 
they're not divisive walls there there are no saboteurs in this relationship and as the first gate nor even being conflict as in the more spiritual mature second gate rather they are uniting walls these walls are uniting because they're healthy they they are there to construct relationships between men and men and god and man and this is the the way in which we should live so i wish you a blessed week and remember live a little higher thank you